to the Beef Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we're going to discuss an article from the April issue of the Beef Watch newsletter titled Calf Processing and Branding. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by Jesse Fulton, who's a Nebraska Extension Educator and also Director of the Nebraska Beef Quality Assurance Program. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Aaron. It's great to be here again. Uh, Jesse, you focused on in this article things that are happening across Nebraska right now as we think about spring calving herds, a lot of folks working their calves, getting ready to turn them out to pasture. In the article, you highlight just some key things to remember in terms of good management practices to make sure we start those calves right as we think about what happens between now and harvest. Walk through with us just some things to remind ourselves of how we can do a good job at processing those calves now to set them up well for the rest of their life and actually all the way to the consumer. Yeah, Aaron, um, you know, this article was a little bit challenging for me to write when I started off because I know in, in our state anyways, we have half our state that brands their cattle and half their state that don't. So I was trying to make sure I walked that line to uh, give information to producers that was applicable to both sides of the state, essentially, those that brand and those that don't brand. Um, one of the first things that I called out that I feel is very important for all producers is producers having a veterinary client-patient relationship. And the reason why that's so important, that is where veterinarians, they understand your herd, essentially. They know what you're doing in, in your situation on your operation, um, what present health and disease challenges you might be facing. And so it's good to have that relationship with your vet because then um, you're able to go to them for recommendations if you if you want to maybe switch up a vaccination protocol or something like that. They're your best resource. A um, couple other things that we talked about is just for those that do brand or, or bring in external help um, when they do process their calves, uh, it's good to set kind of the expectation um, on your operation, you know, especially at branding time. It's, it's, there's a lot of family tradition and community when it comes to branding. And so making sure that people are properly trained uh, that are going to be there if they're helping out on what their particular job might be that day. And, and, you know, one of those most important jobs besides the person that's roping and bringing that calf to the fire or, you know, holding that calf down is the person that's handling the vaccines. You know, we've spent a lot of money uh, on these vaccines. So we want to make sure that they work. Um, the way they're supposed to when we give them to that calf. And so there's a couple best management practices that I cover that are, you know, kind of adopted by the industry on how you should be handling your vaccines. And even the, the makers of the products will say these as well. So one of the first ones is if we're using a modified live or a vaccine that might require mixing, only mix those products as you need them, you know, and you need to be aware that what if there was a, 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 a let's say a train wreck in the point where um, you mixed up two bottles of vaccine. Okay. You know, you're going to use that one bottle of vaccine, but that second bottle, you think you'll get it done in an hour, but maybe there was a problem that prevents you to get into it. Well, if you go past an hour up to two hours, that vaccine, the efficacy of that product is going, going down, it's diminishing and it's not going to be as effective as it would have when you first mixed it. So that's what's really important with those modified live vaccines or vaccines that, that are mixed. Um, another thing is when we're mixing vaccines, sometimes we see people that vigorously shake those vaccines. And I understand that on the box, it might say shake well. Well, that's not really what they, they intended. They should probably change it to, to mix well, but gently. All they need to do is, is when you mix that vaccine is swirl it 
around in circles just to get a good spin of the product inside or a couple back and forth in the of the bottle. When you shake it vigorously, you can actually damage that vaccine inside that bottle. You can break the bonds apart and release endotoxins, which could be harmful to your calves. Um, so you got to be really, really careful with that. Or you can destroy the vaccine entirely. We need to make sure we keep our vaccines protected from the elements, store them according to that product label. You know, that product label is our direction of how we're supposed to handle that product in that, you know, they've done all the research and they know exactly what damages their product. So we need to make sure we pay attention to that label, you know, temperature ranges on the product, protecting that product from UV or sunlight and not allowing that product to freeze. So sometimes people do the right thing and they put their vaccines in a cooler uh, directly on the ice or the ice pack. Well, when they do that, sometimes those vaccines will start to slush up or, or even freeze entirely. There are some products where if they do freeze, it's not as harmful. It's still harmful, uh, but it might not completely destroy it. However, there are some vaccines where, again, it will completely destroy it or cause endotoxins inside that vaccine. And so our recommendation is to try to stay as far away from uh, letting those products become damaged from those temperatures or allowing them to freeze. So if you're going to put them in on ice packs, throw in a towel or something on top of those the ice or the ice packs to prevent any direct contact um, from it getting cold. Labeling our syringes. So if we're using two different vaccines that day, maybe to where we might have a modified lab or a killed vaccine, you know, we need to make sure we're not allowing those uh, vaccines to mix up. Or let's say previous years you've used a killed vaccine, but this year you're going to use a modified live. We got to be careful with that because if any residue of a killed vaccine is present in your syringe, so like your multi-dose gun, and you draw up a modified live, that residue from the killed vaccine will immediately kill that modified live vaccine. Um, it's very harmful to it. I think that's pretty well known from an antibiotic standpoint. If you were ever mass treating with an antibiotic and there was residue of antibiotic behind or used a single dose syringe that had antibiotic in it and there was a residue that it would kill your vaccines. I hope that's already well known. But the same thing can happen too with our vaccines when we have a, a killed vaccine versus a modified uh, live vaccine. Um, another practice is changing our needles. Uh, we need to make sure we change those needles every time we refill our syringe. You know, the, the best practice is changing every 10 to 15 head, but let's say we're given a dose to where uh, we have to draw up more product before we've even treated 10 to 15 head. We need to go ahead and change that needle because let's say we're using killed vaccine. Let's say we stick a dirty needle inside that bottle. We have just contaminated that vaccine. Now we're able to store killed vaccines. Let's say we didn't use the whole bottle when we got done and we have a little left and we're going to treat some calves, uh, maybe late calvers later in the in the season or something like that. Well, if you stuck a dirty needle on that bottle of killed vaccine, you just damaged your vaccine and it's pretty much going to be worthless now. And so that's why we want to make sure we're changing out our needles every time we refill our syringe. We want to make sure that we are following the BQA practice of giving all of our injections in front of the shoulder uh, up there in the neck region. I know sometimes for those that brand when they're holding the calf, some people will put their knee there. Um, there are other other ways that we can try to get in there and hold that front leg and hold that head down to where we can leave that neck area as, uh, accessible for the person that's given those vaccines. So I would I would greatly investigate that and then work in training those that are going to be holding the front end of that calf on how to properly hold that calf to where they're not in the way 
so that the person uh, administering vaccines can get in there and give that that uh, injection into the neck. Other than that, you know, our last thing is really try to use products that are labeled for subcutaneous administration. You know, anytime we give a product in the muscle, we damage the muscle. And so we want to make sure uh, we do our best to prevent that from happening. And so trying to give those products uh, subcutaneously. Um, so that's that's kind of the, the best management practice around vaccines that I, that I really push in this um, to really get producers to pay attention to uh, when they're vaccinating their cattle, at either calf processing or at branding. One of the other things you mentioned in the article, which I really appreciate, is just thinking about the handling procedures of those cows and calves as you bring them in to work them, uh, trying to utilize low stress handling, thinking about separating calves from cows. And, you know, one of the things I think we want to be aware of is if at all possible, we want to minimize the length of time that that calf is away from the cow. We know when an animal is under stress, uh, cortisol levels are elevated. And that also can negatively impact the efficacy of a vaccine. And so, you know, I thought uh, you did a nice job emphasizing that. And I would just encourage people as you're thinking about your day, if you can uh, reduce the amount of time, maybe uh, change up, maybe you were going to do a, a separate everybody. If you can do multiple groups, if that's possible, or have different crews, uh, maybe one group already branding another group, separating a set of cows that can really reduce the amount of time that calves are away from cows and can be helpful to make sure we just minimize stress. Yes, absolutely. You know, there's some research out of, uh, I believe it's Oregon State University, where they actually looked at um, what's really bringing a lot of stress to those calves during branding. Is it the process of branding or is it the separation from the dam? And when they were looking at the cortisol levels, they actually showed that it's actually the amount of time that we're separating those calves uh, from their dams. And so the faster we can get them um, back with their mothers and regrouped up, you know, that limits the amount of stress we're putting on those calves. And you're exactly right. When we have increased stress in calves, vaccines don't work as well as they should, right? And so we want to make sure we limit that stress so that these vaccines are doing exactly what they're intended to do. And we're getting the best bang for our buck out of our vaccines um, in, in that they are preventing those issues that we are treating for. Uh, with that vaccine. Um, so yeah, whenever, you know, I've been to some brandings where we'll set up a, the way we set up the pin, the branding pin is we got the calves and the cows can actually come up to the back side of that branding pin. And it, it kind of helps out with keeping the calves calm, keeping the cows calm um, to where they can come up to the back if that's available to you. Now, I know every situation is different on every operation, but definitely do what works best for you. Um, but Maybe look at maybe changing whatever you can to where we can try to limit the amount of stress on those calves and possibly speed up the amount of time uh, or lessen the amount of time in which those calves are away from their mothers. You know, however, when I say that, when I say speed it up, I, I want to make sure we emphasize that low stress handling um, of also the, the dams um, as well and the calves when we're, when we're gathering them and stuff. We're not in a race here. Uh, we're trying to keep it as stress free as possible for not only the animals, but also ourselves as handlers. Um, there's no point in any of us getting worked up. Jesse, anything else you'd like to highlight on this topic today? You know, I think branding time and calf processing time is a, is a, a great time for people to see their calves, you know, how they're growing, how they're performing already um, out in the pasture. I just want to make sure that we really emphasize uh, being safe when we're handling these animals, um, not only for ourselves, but safety for the animal. 
you know, we have a lot of great resources. We have a lot of great extension folks out there that could that could help when it comes to possibly looking at designing your branding pin or setup, coming up with some different ideas. I definitely want you to be reaching out to your veterinarian uh, to discuss your vaccination protocol. You know, it's great to set our calves up for the best success that we possibly can um, as we move forward as an industry. So that's just a couple points that I'd really like to reiterate. Well, thanks again for joining me today. Yes, thanks, Aaron. It was great to be here. Well, for more information on the article that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, you can find it at the beef.unl.edu website. Also, for more on the BQA program, you can contact Jesse Fulton. Again, he's the director of the Nebraska Beef Quality Assurance Program.